So um, in recent weeks, we have been working our way through Ezekiel. And next week, when Simon's back from wherever he is today, um, he will wrap it up for us. And if you've missed any of um, it, uh, the series so far, it's really worth having a listen to the podcast uh, that you might have missed. So we've been hearing about Ezekiel, a priest in exile in Babylon, and the vision that he had that changed absolutely everything for him. So we've heard about God's patience with his people for 400 years as they slipped further and further into evil. We've heard that God couldn't ignore that forever, and so he took them into exile. We've heard that God has challenged their blind spots and their wrong thinking. And last week, we heard about how God had called Ezekiel and his people to be watchmen. We've been hearing that God is sovereign and at work, even in the mess that they had made. So today, we find ourselves at the really hopeful end of this book. And I'm really pleased that actually Simon asked me to speak on this bit, rather than some of the stuff that's come before, if I'm honest. Today, we see... Uh, the turning point, really, in Ezekiel's ministry. So, he had been in exile. He'd been taken with the first bunch of people into exile, into Babylon. And it says that in the fifth year that he was in exile, the word of the Lord uh, came to him. So he was called to be a prophet in the land there. So he kept prophesying about the fall of Jerusalem. And then, in chapter 33, verse uh, 21 we see that it actually happened. Israel fell and it happened. So it's a turning point now in in his ministry. He starts to talk about the restoration and hope that's going to come for Israel. So we're we're thinking about chapters 34 to 37 this morning, um, the story of uh, hope and restoration that Ezekiel brings. Now, obviously, these words are for the nation of Israel. And actually, they did get restored back to, to Jerusalem in the end. But they're also for us as well. They're being worked out through us, And we are actually part of the promise here in this book. And these chapters are a really beautiful description of how when God people turn back to God, changes absolutely everything. And actually, more specifically, in the reading that we heard just just now, I don't know about you, but it really reminds me of Jesus. And if you go on just a couple of verses further on, Uh, It actually talks about a shepherd being placed over their people. It's really about Jesus, all of this. So when people turn back to God in Jesus' kingdom, hope and restoration is what happens for us as well. It's the essence of the gospel, really. But the gospel and the hope that Ezekiel speaks about here is kind of bigger than just one person and God, one person turning back to God and that's it. We know, don't we, that actually when you turn back to God, a whole load of transformation happens and actually the gospel is much bigger than just that. 
Look at Jesus' words in Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, he says, because he has anointed us, sorry, he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to preach freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So I want us to take just a bit of a closer look this morning at one bit in this block of chapters. And it's actually uh, Ezekiel chapter 36. And if you'd like to get your Bibles out, I'd really like that because we can look at it more closely together. It's a really great summary, this bit. So it's Ezekiel 36, verses 24 to 38. And as we um, look at these verses together, I've actually asked a few people to come and share some of their stories, some of their experience with us. And we'll be doing that throughout. So in verse 24, we see that God promises a people gathered into community. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. So we see for the Israelites, don't we, that they're promised to return to their homeland to build community together. And we see this for the church of Jesus. We are no longer individuals, but a community. And as a church, we've been discovering what it means to build missional communities. And at the heart of each missional community is a community. Remember, the clue to what a missional community is, is in the name. The other word that we sometimes use for this community is an oikos. It's a Greek word, and it means, um, it means household. Now, because Simon and Kerry aren't here, I thought I would tell you a story about them. This year has seen the ministry team really begin to understand what it means to live as a community. The level of involvement and relationship has increased beyond all measure. How has this happened? And what are the effects on those that are part of that extended family? Well, Simon and Kerry realized that the ministry team was functioning okay. We were doing all the business stuff. We were doing everything that we needed to do, all that work stuff. But really what we needed was to take things a bit deeper, take things to the next step to be in line with what God was asking they realized that actually an extended family needed parents, people to lead it, people to take responsibility to help the family grow. Now, that was obviously their role. They realized that an extended family unit needs rhythms and routines, needing to know when we were going to get together, having regular mealtimes together, praying and worshiping together, having fun together. They also realized that the sense of family was needed because we're in it together. We've got a common purpose and that God was calling us to do that as a family on mission together. I know Simon's mentioned this before, but what does that look like for us? Well, we have a regular rhythm of Sunday lunches, Saturday walks with the family. We have prayer times, times of worship, men's stuff, women's stuff, and most recently, kids' stuff. When we get together, 
there are lots of us. I've tried counting, and I think there's about 30 adults and kids all together, but they keep moving around, and I can't quite get the count. Usually, we're all crammed into somebody's front room, and it's a bit noisy, it's a bit chaotic, but it's actually really good fun. And what's the point of all that time that we spend together outside of the normal stuff that we do? Well, do you know what? In this environment, real personal growth happens, honest, vulnerable relationships are formed, discipleship happens, encouragement, support, and grace are offered, accountability is possible, and healing happens. What's the point, though? Oh, and the other thing to mention is that actually, as well as all of that, people come to know Jesus as well. We've known several people come to know Jesus just through that. Thanks, Connor. Oh, thanks, John. (laughs) What's my personal experience of this Oikos thing then? You might not think it by looking at me, although you might, but I've really struggled throughout my life with lots of things. I've struggled to feel good enough. I hide it quite well. But actually, deep down inside has been this nagging feeling that I'm not good enough. Thank you, John. (laughs) Actually, I've I've had this nagging feeling that somebody was going to find me out, that I wasn't good enough for the things that God seemed to be calling me to do. Now, I've been a Christian since I was 15, And God's been at work in me all of that time. But I think I must be a really slow learner because it's only in recent years that he's begun to heal that in me in different ways. And, you know, part of that healing has happened through the community in the last year. I'm beginning to realize that I am supported and I'm supported to do those good things that God has called me to do. My extended family, my oikos, believe in me even though they know me better than any group of people really ever has. I know that when I get things wrong and I mess it up, which I do quite a bit, I'm still loved and I'm forgiven. I'm supported, but more than that, actually more than that, my whole family is supported and loved and prayed for. Actually, the extended family was pivotal in Alid's decision to get baptised earlier this year. My kids are really, really benefiting from seeing multiple extended family units on an adventure with Jesus. God's promise is to gather us into community. And he didn't just do that to the Israelites to bless them, but also that they would be a blessing as well. His plan all along was that they would be blessed and be a blessing. So that applies to us as well. He gathers us into community to be blessed, but to also be a blessing. And our missional communities are all having a go at developing this oikos thing. They're at different stages of development. And of course, it looks different in different groups, but they're all having a go. God promises as we turn to him that he will build community. He also promises that... We will be a people being spiritually transformed. It says here, I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. 
I've invited Kevin to come and speak to us about that, his experience in the last year of, since coming to know Jesus. Come on, Kevin, come on. <laughs> yeah, I know. Judy's just asked me to say a few words about how my life has changed since becoming a Christian. During my life, I always felt like a failure. I was always told that I was not good enough or I was in the wrong. I was bullied and verbally abused through most of school. I learned to avoid situations or make up excuses. Even to lie to people to get out of having to do things I didn't want to do. All this led to long bouts of depression and anxiety attacks. I would shut myself away alone, self-harm, get drunk, take medication, all to try and push away the feelings of hurt and frustration. Despite a life of achievements and accomplishments, I always felt like a wannabe or a has-been, missing completely the moments in my life when I actually was something. I've spent a considerable amount of my life drunk or unconscious, blanking out years of pain and torture, resulting in stomach problems, back problems, sleeping problems, relationship problems, even anger issues, and my old friend depression. I have even tried to take my own life on several occasions and obviously failed at that too. I have had periods of good things happening, like marriage and having my own children, but they went away too. I felt abandoned, I felt life was cruel and unjust. I was baptised in June this year and since opening my heart to God and letting Jesus and the Holy Spirit fill me, I have let let go of most of the anger and frustration that's ruled my life for so long. I still have outbursts at times, but much less frequently and far less severely than before. I feel calmer and more settled inside, more at peace with the world and more importantly myself. I can think rationally and make decisions, whereas before I would procrastinate. I feel I belong to a family again, something which has been missing for a long time. I feel cared for and included. None of my problems have gone away, but I cope with them now. In the baptism pool, I left behind a lot of emotional baggage, which I thought would haunt me forever. It's gone. I pray now with other people and for other people, where I would never have prayed before or even believed that praying would do any good. I pray to the Lord to guide me and trust me in his guidance so that I may continue to grow spiritually and in his grace. I want to read the Bible and learn the wisdom from it. Since becoming a Christian, I not only feel I'm becoming a better person, kinder, more considerate, easier to get on with, but that maybe I always have been, I just didn't realise. I know now that even if I ever feel unloved and rejected again in my life, that Jesus will never stop loving me or reject me. That I can depend on. Since becoming a Christian, I can be happy. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kevin, for sharing that with us. So it feels a bit like that heart of stone that you had has been changed into a heart of flesh. and That's what God has done for you and for many of us. As we turn to God, he also promises that he will be with them. He will be their God. You will live in the land I gave your forefathers. You will be my people, and I will be your God. Knowing God's presence in our daily lives is what he promises here. And I've asked Frances to come up again and to explain to us what that means for her. 
Francis leads one of our missional communities, Elevensies, who, uh, come on, Francis, who, <laughs> who together run a uh, Saturday morning coffee shop every week. Come on. A few years ago, I was challenged to discover the desire of my heart because God promises that if we delight ourselves in him, he will give us the desires of our heart. And after some real heart searching, I came to the conclusion that much to my surprise, as it wasn't what I'd expected, what I really wanted most of all, what I really want most of all, is to be God's person in God's place, doing God's thing, whatever that is. At the time, I had no idea what that would mean. I do want to be his person, and he has promised to be my God. He has never left me or let me down, although the challenges get harder, and my positive response is not always immediate or without much agonising. Back in September, my work situation changed to very part-time, and God asked me not to look for extra paid work but to make my time available to him and the people he has put into my life. That was not an easy decision. How will I pay my bills? What will I say when people ask what I do? How will I explain why I'm not even looking for work? I had a lot of human reasons against such a crazy idea, but I am learning that God does know best and he can be trusted. So I haven't looked for work and he hasn't provided any but I have made my unworking time available as asked. And what has God done in return? He has given me specific people to get to know and care for. I'm not naturally a people person. He's made me lead a course for a group, which I have never done and was very nervous of doing. He is growing elevenses numerically, both our guests and our oikos, and I don't like change. I'm coordinating Open Door again, and opening up the night shelter for Fiona on alternate weeks. And all of this brings more responsibility, which I hate. Once more, God has taken me way out of my comfort zone. You can see that I'm really thrilled at what God is doing with my time. (laughs) Actually, I am thrilled to bits, and I wouldn't go back for anything. It is a joy being alongside people as they begin their faith journey, And the privilege of walking with them is worth any price that I have to pay. I have been given an enormous privilege. I'm having conversations that I never thought I'd have. I'm finding that I know stuff I didn't even know I knew. It's a delight to be sharing time and experiences and getting to know people who are wanting to develop their relationship with Jesus and to know that this is all part of his plan for them and for me. Yes, it does cost me. And I don't always like it, but I choose to keep on trusting and looking forward to seeing all that God is going to do. Thank you so much, Francis. I love what God is doing in Francis's life, and I love her honesty very much. Yes, John. Come on, John. Come. My name's John, and uh, uh, what uh, Frances was saying, uh, without her, I wouldn't have uh, got in my life. Without Connor, Lee, uh, his wife, K- 
Kevin and Connor and everybody else and definitely Francis. Uh, my wife is uh, going to be baptised soon and it's unbelievable uh, people can turn to, turn to God definitely with me because uh, surely we struggle with a lot of uh, issues with people and a lot of uh, uh, turns against a lot of people and people who uh, be nasty to her when when she was uh, when she was turned to God and since she's met Francis, she's just really opened Shirley's heart and it's just really I'm really more happier having Francis in my life and Shirley's life because without Francis, sorry. <laughs> It is, it does, and definitely, and uh, having Jesus in my life is just unbelievable because it's what Kevin says, uh, we all all, uh, do struggles with uh, issues and all that, and nearly, well, about four and a half months being clean from drugs and unbelievable, Uh, it's nearly coming up to five months, uh, coming up to Christmas. I've never seen so much change in in everything, and it's just I just feel really being blessed in in this place, and it's just really what she's saying about Simon and his wife. Uh, my missus sits there and listens to Simon, and she just writes down everything what Simon says. Really is seriously. Thank you. So thank you. Thank you so much, John. Can I carry on now? <laughs> it's a bit difficult. Uh, uh, <laughs> That's better. Oh. Thank you so much, John. <laughs> I love what God is doing in your life, John, very much. I love the, the way he's changed your heart. And, and the truth of what John is saying is, is so real. We can all see it. Isn't it fantastic? Anyway, I'm all a bit emotional. You always make me cry. I'm sorry about that. The other thing that God promises is that we will be a growing people. It says here, I will make their people as numerous as sheep. Jesus is into the growth business, isn't he? Things that are alive grow. People are added all the time. And I've asked Margaret to come and speak to us about something uh, that is really growing at this moment, a sign of God at work. Margaret is part of a missional community called Time to Sow. And uh, I've asked her to come and tell us about how they're experiencing that growth that God promises. Hello. Well, as Julie says, um, I'm just um, standing up here to bring you up to date with what's happening at A Time to Sow. Uh, The Wednesday morning group is now really well established with at least 16 regulars each week. We now know each other quite well and have extended our time to include a shared lunch and prayer on a monthly basis. This comes 
on an open invitation to everyone, and 12 of us met together at the most recent one. After joining us to pray for the first time, one lady arrived at the next session with the greeting, I know your God answers prayer. It's quite exciting, really. For the winter, we have begun an additional quilting evening on alternate Mondays. The main reason was um, to continue a relationship with a Wednesday person uh, who was returning to full-time work. Some of the regulars from Wednesdays have brought their friends. This new group has settled quickly and is peaceful and calm. There are lovely, worthwhile conversations around the table and a lot of lovely hot chocolate and cookies consumed. (laughs) An average week would have 15 or so, and at least seven are not from a church connection. We enjoy doing other things together also. During the summer, we had a coach trip to a sewing and knitting exhibition at the Alexandra Palace in London, where we found some beautiful materials which we just could not resist buying. I'm sure you can imagine the excitement as we shared our packed lunches together with with our coffee and and loads of chat going on about new ideas we'd discovered. We also enjoyed a trip to a friend's beach hut in Felixstowe. We couldn't all get in the hut, but the, (laughs) the sun was shining, so that didn't matter at all. We've also joined with other guests elsewhere at other venues. We're really looking forward now to a Christmas coffee outing at the old stores in Tattenham St. Martin and also to our Christmas party when we all share in bringing the food. You know, everyone is so thrilled with these simple things that build a sense of community and belonging. We have been thrilled from the very beginning to receive your prayer support, along with enough gifts of money to cover all our equipment costs. With the funds raised from our coffee and cakes, we have in turn been able to send gifts via BMS to a sewing project in Calcutta, This has proved to be something that we're all very keen to support. Everyone who comes enjoys the creative time we spend together, the new skills that we learn, and the ever-increasing range of projects completed. And really importantly, people are enjoying the friendships as they grow and deepen. One new lady has already said how much she feels accepted and at home 
and wants to be with us when we pray. And another new lady has remarked on the feeling of God's presence there. We still need your prayers. The sowing is great. But the next level of sharing faith is difficult. Some of our friends who come have no concept of Jesus' love for them. And over time, sewing machines and cake, we long to share with them the Jesus that we know. We are simply an extended family from Burlington with a shared interest, a family on a mission together, and we feel privileged and fulfilled knowing that God is using us in this way. Thank you so much. You're right. Thanks, Margaret, for uh, bringing us up to date with what is happening. We've heard some great stories this morning, haven't we, about what God is doing. And, do you know, I think it's amazing to think that we are part of the fulfillment of the prophecy that Ezekiel spoke so many years ago in a far-off land. As we turn to God, these are the things that should be happening. These are the things, these are the marks of God at work. So where's the challenge for us this morning? I wonder if God's been nudging you this morning as we've been talking about uh, extended family, about community. Are you part of a community and you need to take those next steps to get deeper as a community? Ask him what the next steps might be. Maybe you might feel, though, on the edge of community, or you might actually feel quite alone. That's not how God's kingdom is supposed to be. Do you need to join a community? Do you need to to join one of our missional families or a small group, maybe? Our missional communities are supposed to grow. And part of that involves Christians joining in. None of our missional communities are closed, exclusive clubs. Anyone can join in and become part of the family. Or do you think that God's been speaking to you and saying that you need some of that transformation in your life that Kevin and John were telling us about? Or do you need to know God's guiding you like Francis was talking about? First steps really are to recognize that and then to ask him to do it. Ask somebody to pray with you this morning about that. Are you experiencing growth? Is that what you need today? Ask God to show you how that could happen. But you know, maybe the challenge to us this morning might be something else. I think what God is up to here and now is really exciting. And I think it really needs celebrating in whatever way that looks like for you. I could have asked all sorts of people to come up here this morning and share stories with us. And I love the fact that we got a spontaneous story. And it would have been really good if more of you had done that, because then I wouldn't have to keep speaking. (laughs) I could have asked loads of people to share a story of God at work. Because we're seeing loads of people come to faith, aren't we, at the moment? More than we have in years. 
we are seeing community forming and people's lives being transformed. We are aware of God's presence and we are seeing growth. And I really think that we should celebrate that today. It's Advent and joy is here with us. And we're going to carry on by singing together.